Revelation, what the angels are singing. They're singing about the kingdom, the power, the glory. The church needs to sing about the kingdom, the power, the glory, and ascribe that unto our eternal God. Amen. I want everyone to stand in honor of the reading of the word. Turn to Acts chapter 16. Thank you, worship team. God bless you for your worship and giving this morning. There is an urgency of prayer. One of Satan's main concerns, I want you to listen to me, one of his main concerns is to keep you from praying. God does nothing but in answer to prayer. And the devil wants to stop you from praying because he knows that. And so I just stir up prayer. And so... Be at as many prayer times, and if you can't be here wherever you are at the designated times, join with us. Amen. Prayer is urgent in this hour. Acts chapter 16, we're continuing the series, Midnight, part two. Last night while we were having the six o'clock prayer meeting, while we were in prayer, the Holy Spirit dropped a nugget of truth about midnight in my heart and I immediately pulled out my phone and I looked up the scripture in Luke chapter 11 and beginning with verse 5 Jesus talks about at midnight getting your prayers answered and at midnight you can ask seek and knock and to illustrate that he says at midnight that's Jesus talking at midnight if you go to your neighbor's house and they won't let you in, you keep on knocking. And because of importunity, and you look that word up and there is, I'm giving you a midnight sermon that's not part of my sermon. This is sort of an appetizer right here. Amen. But it just helped you get your prayers answered this week. Amen. Don't give up knocking. Importunity means you keep on banging till the door opens and the householder gives you the three loaves that you need. Uh, three loaves. Jesus emphasized three loaves. Why? Oh, you know, not much money, monetary value in three loaves of bread. But ask, seek, and knock. 
There's something there, friends, and God wants you in this midnight. How many believe we're in the midnight hour? In the midnight hour, you bang on heaven's door. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. Don't stop knocking. Don't stop seeking. I'm telling you. Jesus said the householder will open his home at midnight and he'll give you those three loaves that you're asking for, you're knocking for, you're seeking for. All right, that's sermon number one. Now number two, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight, everybody say midnight. midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. There comes a time the church needs to lift up her voice in praise. Amen. And in prayer. And the world needs to hear us doing so. Amen. Uh, they weren't just praising, any, uh, praising anybody there either. Amen. And the prisoners heard the world needs to hear us praising Jesus. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. He was ready to commit suicide, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm. We are all here. Hallelujah. It's about to get good in here. Amen. You may be seated. Midnight, part two. It is very possibly later than you think. But listen to me, church. It's not too late for God to show up. Nineveh, in their midnight hour, was saved at their midnight hour. The whole city turned to God. America, that great city that has been sat on a hill to the nations of the world and to all of human history, I want to tell you, God can still save America. God can still turn this nation around. It is a late hour, but it's not too late when God shows up. Last week, Israel was down in slavery in our sermon. And at midnight, the scripture is very clear in a number of passages concerning the Exodus. It took place at midnight. The next great exodus could follow the typology or the symbolism of the first great exodus. We're looking for the next great exodus. Amen. Uh, we're wanting to get out of here. Amen. We're waiting for the trumpet to sound and the dead in Christ to rise. And the, then we which are alive and remain to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But the first exodus took place at midnight. And Jesus said, when the bridegroom comes at min midnight, Jesus said this, many will be asleep and many will be unaware. We learned last week that at the first great exodus, it mattered that you were under the blood. I just want to challenge you that in all your preparation, in all of your end time living, stay under the blood covering. Don't pull yourself or your family out from under the blood. The blood still works today in 2015. Amen. I, I believe that, and I believe in the power of the blood. God smote the Egyptians from Pharaoh's house, the Bible says, to the dungeon. 
Everyone was affected by the plague of death that came as the exodus was taking place. All households were touched by the hand of God except those under the blood covering. You need to listen to the preacher this morning. Stay under the blood. I talked to you last week about a spirit of Benedict Arnold and a Judas spirit in these last days. Don't deny your country and, and don't deny your Jesus in this hour. It's very important. Don't betray. The cost of betrayal is too high. You do not want to betray Jesus in this hour. And last week, finally, we mentioned some signs that had taken place a few days prior to last Sunday. Number one, the American Eagle, or the Eagle that was flying in Seattle, and it was a true story, uh, where the crow landed on the Eagle while it was in flight. Uh, a very strong symbolism about America taking on her back and giving wings to uh, the crow representing evil. I want to tell you, friends, we need to flee evil, amen, not give evil a ride, amen. We also looked at, a few days prior to last Sunday, the convergence of Jupiter and Venus and uh, those signs that in the heavens that Jesus reminded us to look up, to watch, uh, to keep our eyes fastened upon things that would be happening in the heavens around us. And you may want to be watching over the next 30, 60, 90 days. Point number one this morning. Paul and Silas are arrested. At midnight, they're in the prison. They've been thrown into the inner parts of the prison, the inner holds of the prison. Now, early in chapter 16, and I want you to look at this, and you'll remember from our Mother's Day sermon that we looked at the first 10 verses of chapter 16, how that Paul and Silas go into Philippi, and there by the river they establish a church, and they, they formed that church, and that Lydia became a foundation stone, or very important, in that church that she used her business talents, business skills, and finances to help formulate that church and see that become a renowned church, the church of Philippi that Paul wrote the book of Philippians to. But beginning with verse 16 in this passage, uh, Paul and Silas are in Macedonia now, and uh, they find themselves encountering a woman of divination with verse 16 as they're preaching the gospel. And this woman is crying out aloud. These men are servants of God and they show us the plan of salvation. I want you to watch this. There is nothing wrong with the message this woman is giving. They were men of God. And they were showing the plan of salvation. The messenger was inerrant or was errant. The messenger was the problem here because this was a woman that had a spirit of divination. Not everything that comes in, friends, uh, we need to give voice to or we need to give ear to. The devil would like to send in false voices even among the body of Christ. And Paul and Silas begin to recognize that this woman was not of God, even though her message was correct. She was hiding behind a correct message. She was still had a spirit of divination, and that literally meant she practiced fortune-telling and, uh, and prophesying the future by evil spirits. And uh, so Paul began to uh, look at this over several days, and finally it got in his spirit. 
I just want to remind you, friends, uh, that we need to make sure we're a Pentecostal church. And I want the gifts of the Spirit to operate. And they're always going to line up with the Word of God. We're going to see to that. We're going to judge the gifts. And then we're going to make sure the person using the gifts living the life. Amen. We've, over the years, we've had to call some things down that, and, and not every situation is like this, and I'm going back a number of years, so it, it affects no one here, but it happened a number of years ago. Someone came into this church that was living a horrible, sinful, depraved life and tried to exercise gifts, and pastor had to shut that down. People didn't understand, but sometimes you just have to understand pastor knows some things, and we're not going to allow things to come in, even if they may give a correct message The vessel better be walking in humility and honor of the Lord over their life. Amen. A correct message, but an incorrect messenger. Verse 18, she did this many days, and it grieved Paul, and he turned to speak to the Spirit. He didn't address the woman. He addressed the Spirit. And he said, I command thee in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And that hour that woman was delivered. I'm here to declare the name of Jesus still has power over evil spirits. There's a lot of evil spirits in our world, and at some point, as a, as a believer, as a follower of God, if you see the devil's workshop going on, you see his handiwork, uh, there are some spirits that may attack your family and your life, and you need to cast some spirits out. Verse 19, her masters lost their means of gain, and so they caught Paul and Silas, and they brought them before the rulers and they began to flog them. And they put them in prison and they put their feet in stocks. All of this is carefully noted in the scriptures. And they gave charge to the jailer. This charge represented that if they escaped or if they got out, the jailer would be killed and his household would be killed. And so it was a very important charge to the jailer that these prisoners not escape. That's in verse 19. There was great persecution already arising against the church and, and against the believers. I, I just remind you that living in these last days, our rights as Christians are being violated. Free speech is being threatened. The attack upon the Lord's church is very real in 2015. Uh, let me just say for the record, you cannot rewrite the word of God. You cannot change the laws of God's Word. You cannot take away or add to. There is no 11th commandment. There are 10 commandments. When you forget God's Word, Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Hosea 4, 6 says, God says, I will forget your children. In this hour, we need to preach the word. And Paul and Silas have been preaching the word. And they were preaching Jesus. And it brought persecution. Friends, it will bring persecution. But it's up to God to bring deliverance. We've just got to honor the word of the Lord. We're living in the last days. We're at the midnight hour. And men will be sleeping spiritually. And Jesus gave the parable that 50% of the virgins had no oil or the lamps were not ready and they were not burning when the bridegroom came at midnight. I believe we need to awaken sleeping Christians in this hour. 
If you're asleep spiritually, it's time for you to open your eyes and hear the voice of the Spirit of God awakening your, your spirit and calling you to this hour of urgency. It's always boggled my mind that 500 people at least were at the ascension of Jesus. And he commands them at his ascension, go wait and tarry in Jerusalem. And 120 obeyed that. Well, I can see that went over real good. Amen. I think the same proportion probably is true today. We're living in the last days, and friends, the church needs to be awake. I know you've got busy schedules. I know there's much to be done, but you better have time to pray. You better have time to seek the Lord. You better have time to build an altar of prayer in your home and in your life. Mother, nothing more important than prayer. Dad, nothing more important than prayer. In Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, we look at the church of Laodicea. It was a church that Jesus looks at, the Lord of the church, and he honors the hot, he acknowledges the cold, but he says, the lukewarm I will spew out of my mouth. They had lost their first love. And friends, in this day, you can lose your love for Jesus if you're not careful. You can, you can be like those written about that lost their first love. But as I was reading this passage again this week, I looked at the church of Smyrna. And they became connected to the synagogue of Satan. I want to tell you there's an apostate church in the last days. You better watch for the church of Smyrna. You better watch for those that are connected uh, uh, to the household or to the synagogue of Satan. There was the church of Pergamos that Jesus uh, taught about here in, in Revelation chapter 2. And they held the doctrine of Balaam. What was the doctrine of Balaam? He was called to curse Israel. You better get clear of churches that curse Israel. I'm telling you, there's some Pergamos churches in these last days, and they're called to curse Israel rather than bless Israel. And you better be a part of blessing Israel. Not a part of the church of Pergamos. The church of Thyatira. Scoffers. And they embellished the spirit of Jezebel into the church. Seducing my spirits and causing fornication to be committed. He says, I'll bring tribulation upon her and I'll bring sickness upon her. I don't want to be a part of the church of Thyatira in the last day. Church of Philadelphia should be a church of love, and they had lost their first love. There is an apostate church, churches that do not preach Jesus, churches that promote you can get to heaven by other forms, fashions, means, other gods. I'm telling you, uh, there is only one true and living God. There is not a mystic God, a cosmic God. Uh, there is the true and living God, and he has a son named Jesus. You cannot change the word of God into a lie. It's an abomination. And you do not need to be worshiping at the altars of Baal. Paul and Silas, because they were preaching the gospel, were thrown into the prison. A number of men in this service right here were with Pastor Jordan. I think it was about two years ago, a year and a half ago, when they were in Macedonia. And they went to the exact location where this jail is located. 
And they visited there. And, you know, when you deal with biblical history, you deal with things that are factual, that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is exactly where this took place. Other things you deal with, well, this is where they believe, and this is what they believe happened here. And then others they've recreated. But the Greek Historical Society has documented this exact jail cell that's been, been documented down through history. This is exactly where Paul and Silas were thrown into the inner prison. And our men, some of you men right here, stood right there and reread that account of how Paul and Silas sang praises and prayed at the midnight hour. Point number two, there can be fear that grips your heart at midnight. At midnight, verse 25 says, people can deal with fear. The jailer dealt with fear here in this passage. It's very clear. Midnight is a time when usually you're more alone than any other time of the day. Things have wound down from the day before. It's the final minutes before the, the new day dawns uh, begins and the previous day is ending. The word midnight is a phrase to denote final or last. When nothing could be so bad or get any worse, it's like you're at your midnight hour. People deal with all kinds of trials, all kinds of issues, attacks, and at midnight the devil wants to heap a defeated spirit upon you. And you're rolling over in your bed and you're trying to uh, go to sleep and all you can think about is the, the attack and the problems and the trials and the things you've been facing and the things you've been going through. I, I'm telling you, a lot of fear comes out at the midnight hour. It is an emotion that people deal with. It means to be afraid of something, to be overly concerned about something that it just dictates to your spirit. I, I want to tell you that some of people's worst fears are exacerbated at the midnight hour but hear ye the word of the Lord it says in the English standard version in verse 29 the jailer was in fear he was trembling in fear Psalm 23 verse 4 says that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil Psalm 27 1 says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. 1 Chronicles 28, 20. Be strong and courageous and do the work of the Lord. Do not be afraid, for the Lord is with you. He will not fail or forsake you until all of the work he has called you to do is finished. Isaiah 41 verse 10, do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen, help you, I will uphold you with the right hand of my authority. The Bible says the jailer feared. The earth quaking around you in the next 30, 60, 90 days could evoke some fear. Things going on in our world. What happened in China this week? What happened with the glitch on Wall Street? The hacking into millions of emails. What happened on Wall Street predicted the, the night before by some hackers. On and on, friends. What's happening in Greece? It could invoke some fear. It could 
it could threaten your spirit with looking at what's happening in our world and and letting this overwhelm you this jailer looked at the earth shaking and the the, the bonds of the prisoners being released and fear set into his his heart and life I'm telling you, the world is living in fear and Jesus says that men's hearts will fail them for fear in the last days. The devil tells you you're at your midnight. But listen, there's an end to this story. Point number three, there were songs of faith in the midnight hour. Verse 25, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises to God. How you respond to what you are going through is a matter of choice. Amen. Faith and fear cannot cohabitate together. Faith and fear are opposites. Paul and Silas in their midnight hour were praying and singing praise to God. Faith finds its voice in what you release from your spirit. I'm telling you, this summer we've got to pray. This summer we got to confess that Jesus is Lord. This summer we got to declare that America shall be saved. It's important that heaven hear you declaring faith. They prayed. It's urgent that we pray. God was about to turn their captivity. Somebody say amen. amen. He would not turn it if they were bound by fear. There is a captivity that you will never be free of until you learn the power of prayer and praise. The jailer was in a captive of his own. He was free, but he was a captive of fear. Paul and Silas are captives, but they're free men. I want to tell you, you may be captive on the outside by some circumstances that have been surrounding you. There may be some things that have been dogging your path and been attacking your life and your family, and you may feel prisoner by those things, but inside, you're a free man, man because you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises. Paul preached Jesus to the jailer. It matters what you preach right now. Amen. That's why we put a cross on everything. We're going to preach Jesus. He's not a generic God. He is a person, the Son of God, a deity. Amen. And we cannot preach any other name because you can't be saved by any other name. Household salvation came through the name Jesus. The jailer and all of his house were saved. Friends, history records a Benedict Arnold, I believe, for a reason. History records a Judas who betrayed Jesus. But Paul and Silas in their midnight hour stood true to Jesus. The French Huguenots 401 years ago founded Fort Caroline. And there were men of conviction, men who worshiped God. And as I read this week and found out, Paul Revere was a Huguenot. There was an urgency about these men and about this group of people, the Huguenots. And I believe there needs to be an urgency in the life of the church right now. Amen. As the kingdom comes, chains are going to be broken. Captivity is being broken. And Jesus came to set the captives at liberty. On July 3rd, I began to research some things that happened in history this week just to sort of identify with, Lord, what took place over the last hundred years this particular week. I want to know what's going on. July 3rd, 1849, 
Cholera was killing tens of thousands of people in the United States of America. 1849, tens of thousands of people from the East Coast to the West Coast were dying in every city, every area from cholera. It was an incredible disease that had struck our nation. And I did not know that till reading the history uh, this week. President Zachary Taylor proclaimed, because there had been so much death and destruction, and I honor him for this, President Zachary Taylor proclaimed a national day of fasting, prayer, and repentance. He said it for the first Friday in August, 1849 and called the nation to humble themselves and to pray and to seek the face of God, to turn from their sins. He put all of this in writing. And they had that day of fasting and prayer. And if you read the history lesson, you'll see there was an immediate turn in that disease, and immediately the death rate just plummeted downward because heaven responded. Amen. I'm calling on our president to stand up and declare that America needs to fast, needs to pray, needs to turn from our sin, needs to call upon a true and living God and repent of our sin and turn to God while there's still time. July 8th, 1776, the Liberty Bell was rung in Philadelphia and sounded to proclaim liberty. We were given that bell. It was placed there in 1751, which was, as I found out this week, a year of jubilee. Wow, I thought, how interesting. We were given the, the liberty bell on a year of jubilee. And Leviticus 25.10, etched there, proclaim liberty throughout the land. As the Declaration of Independence was being read on July 8th, the outset of that Revolutionary War, when we're declaring our independence, I'm telling you, there was a bell inscribed, proclaim liberty throughout the land with the Word of God. Friends, it is not a declaration of independence that we need today. It is a declaration of dependence on Almighty God to turn America back, to save this nation in its midnight hour. On July 7, 1898, President McKinley signed a treaty of annexation for Hawaii. Listen to this. The Hawaiian Islands had been known for their cultism and their service of false gods for centuries. There was a king of Hawaii, and as Christians came, uh, revival broke out in the Hawaiian Islands so much that the king, his family, all of his leaders were born again and, and became uh, uh, became. Uh, Christian people and, and promoting the cause of Christ. They defied their mystic cosmic gods in a number of ceremonies and broke up their idols of false worship. There was a Hawaiian motto in 1825 that said the life of the land is perpetrated in righteousness. Wow. I'm telling you that Paul and Silas in their midnight hour Sang praises to our God. God's not finished with America. God can turn this nation around. God can cause men that uh, have said they won't bow a knee. He can cause them to bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
I'm telling you, the church doesn't need to lose her praise, doesn't need to lose her prayer right now. If there's ever been an hour that we need to stir up prayer in the church, in the houses of God across America, it's the hour in which we live. We need to pray, and we need to praise our God because God is the one that can save this nation. He'll break you out of your captivity and away from your captors. Watch. A 10-year-old is abducted from right in front of his home in Atlanta, Georgia, only to be released a few hours later. And you will not believe how he got the kidnapper to let him go. Trace Gallagher knows. Trace? He did it by singing, Megan. It really has become the song heard around the world, and police say it may very well have saved the life of nine-year-old Willie Myrick. Willie says he was in his front yard. He bent down to pick up some money, and that's when someone grabbed him, threw him in their car, and took off. Listen now to nine-year-old Willie Myrick. I didn't know what he was doing until he, like, grabbed me, and he drove me off to East Point. He told me he wouldn't hear a word from me, so I ain't say nothing. Oh, he didn't talk. Instead, he started singing a gospel song called Every Praise. Willie says the man cursed at him, telling him to shut up, but he kept singing for three hours until the man finally stopped the car and told him to get out. The boy ran to a nearby home, asked the homeowner to call his guardian. By that time, police were already canvassing the city and quickly picked him up, saying the song saved him. Now listen to Willie sing the song on a local radio station. Every praise is to our God. Every word I worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. And he was saying, shut up. Yeah. Everybody's heard it. Willie Myrick even got to meet Hezekiah Walker, the Grammy winner who actually wrote Every Praise. Police still do not have any leads on the suspect. They're hoping the sketch we showed you earlier might generate some tips. In this. I think we need to stand and praise God for that young man that found out the key to deliverance, the key to freedom that Paul and Silas found out. Friends, I'm telling you, when you praise the Lord, something happens.
says Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. The other prisoners heard them. This lost world, those that are bound, those that are enslaved, they need to hear the church praying. They need to hear the church praising. They need to hear the songs of worship. They need to hear Jesus being glorified. I'm telling you, when heaven, listen to me, church. The Bible says that the next verse, God sent an earthquake. I'm telling you, that earthquake shook open the jails and broke off their bars and their chains. I, I don't know, but I, I heard the old preacher talking about uh, what happened there, that God liked the tune that was going on. As Paul and Silas were singing praise in that prison cell, knowing that they were in the midnight hour of all their calamity, they were still praising God. And God liked the song that was going on. And he began to tap his foot and he began to tap his foot and when God Almighty the ruler of the universe taps his foot the Bible says the earth is the Lord's footstool and the earth began to shake and the earth began to quake I'm telling you when you begin to praise the Lord you get heaven's attention maybe some chains of sickness are going to fall off maybe some chains of doubt Maybe some chains of unbelief. Maybe some financial hardships. Maybe lost sons and daughters. When you're praising God and God is tapping his foot, pleased with the praises of his people, I'm telling you, he's going to shake some things. He's going to stir some things up. There's going to be some jailers in their households that are coming to faith in Christ. When God begins to tap his foot and the earth begins to quake, come on. Every praise belongs to our God. self but if you were the one that your seven year old was hit by a car doing 40 miles an hour and you've seen God resurrect your child your grandbaby from the dead I'm telling you you've seen God do the impossible you've seen the miracles of God I'm telling you, there needs to be some praise. If you stand on this Sunday morning and God's been good and God's been faithful and you have no, uh, no irons on your 
arms right now and no stocks on your feet you ought to be praising him like ever but if you've been walking through some things I'm telling you that's not a time to give up that's a time to press in that's a time to praise that's a time to worship that's a time to give him all praise come on come on everybody praise him come on
triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm telling you. The devil is defeated. He is a liar. And greater is he that lives you in you than he that is in this world. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, friends, you need to give him your best praise by giving him your life. Jesus hung on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. And he came out of that tomb so that you might have life in him. If you need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, in fact, I want this entire congregation to pray this prayer, everyone online. You may be saved or you may be backslidden. Everyone repeat this prayer. Dear God in heaven, I acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I make that confession. I repent of all my sins, all of my rebellion and waywardness. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Show mercy to my life. I accept you by faith. And I believe that I'm forgiven. And that you're going to restore what the enemy's been stealing away. That greater is he that now is in me. For I make that confession. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God.